Hello and welcome to the Estate Planners Podcast. My name is Anthony Brinkman and this is the place for will writers, estate planners and solicitors that are interested in learning the tips, tools and technicalities to best help their clients. This is episode 10 entitled Removing Guesswork. So if you were avidly waiting for last week's podcast and were disappointed to find it not appearing, I apologise. These run of bank holidays has thrown my podcasting schedule off a little, so this episode is a week later than intended. I'll try and do my best to put another together for next week to keep it on schedule. No promises, but I will try. Okay, on with this episode. In the introduction to these podcasts, I mentioned learning tips tools and technicalities. This episode fits firmly within the tools category of content. I want to share with you a tool that I've used to great effect in my business career. I've run five different organisations and have used this particular tool in all of them. Not just in the running of the companies, but on each individual post or position that I have held within them as well. So whether you're a drafter or a consultant or a private client solicitor, working in a large firm, or you are a single estate planning professional running all aspects of your own business. This is applicable. The success that I've had in business has been due to many factors, I'm sure, but I would count the use of what I share with you today as highly significant amongst them. In business, there are decisions to be made and actions to be taken, and you base those decisions on information, experience, training and as many facts as you can muster about the situation at hand. As the title of this episode suggests, the tool I'm going to go over with you eliminates a lot of the guesswork that would otherwise need to be employed in making decisions. Take an example. I'm sure many of you will have had pretty much this exact situation, especially if you're running a will writing company. You get a call from someone offering you an opportunity to advertise with them. They say that they can put you in front of 2,000 people a month that sit in a local doctor's waiting room. Your ad can run for 30 seconds, six times an hour, and it'll only cost you £400. Well, what do you do with this? Is this a good opportunity or not? If another will writer takes up that offer and it is a good opportunity, you could lose potential clients but you could have your competition also gaining an advantage in your area. So should you advertise or not? Guesswork. What about this? Suppose you run an estate planning company and actually have a few staff. One of them comes to you and says, we need to get rid of Bob. He's always getting into arguments and he's hard to work with. Plus he's he's scruffy, his shirt's always hanging out and his shoes are scuffed and he doesn't look professional. Something clearly needs to be done here, but what? How do you deal with this? Or what about this? You find that your income has tailed off in the last couple of months, you've got some big bills coming up that need to be paid, and you really need to get the situation turned around in the next few weeks, or you're going to have a very serious problem. So what do you do to turn it around? You really need to eliminate the guesswork out of that decision. So the answer is actually quite simple. In fact, it can be summed up in a single word. But before I tell you what it is, I just want to encourage you to continue listening beyond the big reveal. 
because I've noticed that often when I mention this topic, some people can get immediately turned off. So stick with me. The solution to eliminate a great deal of guesswork in your decision making is statistics. And yes, for those loyal listeners amongst you, that was indeed the first sound effect that I've ever used in this podcast. So, statistics. I'm not necessarily talking here about some huge, complicated spreadsheet of facts and figures and analysis with 134 columns going left to right and 200 rows top to bottom with metrics and key performance indicators and analytics. I mean, if you want to go down that road, then knock yourself out. In fact, join the club. Anyone who knows me knows that I love a good spreadsheet. But it doesn't have to be complicated. It doesn't have to be time-consuming. It can, in fact, be incredibly simple. Statistics are, in their most basic form, a measurement of something as compared to a measurement of the same thing at an earlier point in time. If you signed up six new clients this week and only four last week, then your sign-up statistic is up. If you signed up six new clients this week, but signed up eight last week, then the statistic is down. Simple. If you can track the same measurement back over a longer period of time, then you can start to see trends and important relationships between your kept statistics. But before we get into what might be some good stats to keep, and what do you do with those stats once you have them recorded, Let's just pick up on the point about guesswork. You see, without the statistical information available when making a decision, what do you have left? Experience, that'll count for a lot. Training, that certainly helps too. Perhaps professional advice, that has a part to play. But all of those are effectively matters of opinion. Would you prefer to be making decisions based on facts or opinions? I know which I would prefer. Okay, so what stats should you keep? Well, let's start by recognising that there are two easy categorisations that we can make. First would be stats that measure outflow. How many letters or emails have you sent out? How many hours have you spent networking? How many social media posts have you made? How many wills have you written this week? How many LPAs have you registered? Those are proactive outflow type actions. The second are the inflow stats. How much money have you made this week? How many inquiries have you received this week? How many clients have approved their drafts? Those would be inflow type statistics. Both are important. Let's keep it simple for a moment. Suppose that we're measuring the number of leaflets that your company has delivered this week. That's an important stat to keep if you're spending time and money on leafleting. That's an outflow stat. You also need to be keeping a record of how many inquiries you've had in from that activity. Each is important, but together, those two statistics, outflow, how many leaflets have you got out, how many inquiries have you got in from the leaflets, together, they give you a whole new level of vital information. Given each listener to this podcast has their own specific situation, here's something you can use to determine which stats would be good to keep. Start with your end product. What is the valuable final product of your job? If you're a drafter, then your final product might be said to be something like 
accurately drafted legal documents. If you're an instruction taker or a consultant, then your product might be clients signed up for all services to achieve their best estate plan with error-free, accurate client instructions submitted to the office. That is a bit of a mouthful and it could possibly be stated a bit more simply. For a sole practitioning estate planner, your valuable final product might be satisfied clients with comprehensive services delivered to the best quality. So the first step is determine your end product. Then step two, work it back to find all of the sub products that add up to that end product. The drafters First step might be, for example, to check over instructions when they're received to verify that you have everything you need to draft. Then, with verified instructions, you produce a first draft of the documents. Then you would handle any amendments that the client wants to make. Then finally, you produce your final bound documents for signing and witnessing. So there you have your steps and the stats that you can record from each of those steps. So again, you work out your final product, you work out the sub-products that get you to that final product, then you can work out the appropriate measurement for each of the stats along each of the milestones towards that end product. If I go back to the days when I was performing all functions of being an estate planner and running that business as a sole practitioner, some of the key stats that I would keep would be, number one, leaflets out. I did a lot of leafleting. That was how I generated a lot of early business. Number two, networking meetings attended. Number three, letters out, which by the way would also include emails. Number four, inquiries received. And I would also keep a note of where each of the inquiries had come from. Number five, prospect contacts made. Number six, first appointments sat. Number seven, clients signed up and instructions taken. Number eight, first draft documents produced. Number nine, attestations completed. Number 10, sign-offs. Number 11, gross income. And number 12, usable income. So there we've got statistics, which I will keep to monitor the running of the whole business. I don't know if that sounds like a lot to you or a little, but I know that with those 12 figures kept Religiously, every week I was able to eliminate a huge amount of guesswork when it came to growing the company. And as a point to note, I would definitely keep statistics weekly, not monthly. You can't respond quickly enough to something that is only evident when you're looking at your stats if you're only analysing them once a month. Let's go back to those examples that I gave at the beginning of the episode to see how statistics could have helped. First, we had our doctor's waiting room opportunity. How could stats help there if you've never tried it before? Well, what about your other promotional activities? Suppose that your main promotional activity is leaflets and you've been keeping accurate stats for several months on how many you get out, how many inquiries you get in from those leaflets and how much the leaflets cost to print and distribute. Well, now you have something with which to compare figures. You can work out how much it costs to acquire one lead from leafleting. If you go ahead with the doctor's waiting room advert, or any advertisement for that matter, then you have a benchmark with which to compare the results so that you know whether it's cost effective or not. How about scruffy antagonistic Bob? How does stats help with that? Well, dealing with personnel issues are 
pretty much some of the most difficult activities that a business owner has to face, in my opinion. I've found stats to be immensely valuable with matters like this. Obviously, if Bob is being aggressive towards others and upsetting people, then you have to do something, for sure. But should you fire Bob? Discipline him? Give him a warning? Well, I'd suggest that a first action would be to look at his stats. How is he doing on post? Suppose Bob is in accounts. Well, are the invoices up to date? Do we have outstanding debtors? Are we paying the bills on time? If Bob's statistics are good, you can take any actions pretty gently. Sure, he needs to be talked to, the issue needs to be addressed. But is it done harshly? Is it done gently? If he's not performing well on post, if his stats are down, then the aggressive behaviour and unkempt appearance is probably just one more indicator. And yes, justice actions probably need to be a little bit more severe at that point. But high stats make you pretty much bulletproof. Finally, we had the situation of needing to pay the bills, but having had a period of poor income for several weeks. Well-kept weekly statistics would initially help you to identify such a situation far earlier than you would otherwise do. But once spotted, what they'd also do is help you to locate a workable solution. You'd be able to look back over periods when your income was higher. Perhaps you find that it was at its highest consistently during late February to early April last year. So you can look back and see what promotional actions you were taking just before then and what actions you dropped out at the end of that period. You spot that you'd attended a LinkedIn workshop back in January and you'd updated your profile and you'd started posting and liking and sharing articles and that led to a big boost in inquiries during February and March. But you got so busy, you stopped the activity that led to the higher range of stats and dropped that towards the end of March. So you can immediately put that back in and avert disaster. As a final point on this topic, at least for now, as there is a huge amount more that we could go over, the examples we've looked at have mainly been points of quantity. And statistics do, of course, measure the quantities of something. But what about quality? How can stats be used to measure quality? We naturally want to improve the quality of our work, or at least I hope so. I don't think you'd be listening to these podcasts if you didn't have a desire to improve your quality of work. And again, we want to keep this simple. Well, how about the surveys that you get where you've been asked to rate an experience you've had? Something like, please rate the service on a scale of 1 to 10, with 1 being terrible, 10 being outstanding. That type of end-of-service questionnaire can help you to gauge the client experience, which is a quality point. What about looking at the removal of negatives? You could, for example, look at how many unnecessary corrections that you've had to make to draft documents and keep a statistic of that. When I say unnecessary corrections, I mean corrections where you have made an error in your drafting rather than where a client has changed their mind about something. Lowering that statistic, unnecessary corrections or errors in the wheel, something like that, that would give you some ability to see, are you improving or are you lessening the quality of your work on a weekly basis? In summary, I highly recommend taking a look at what, if any, stats you keep at the moment. Work out some key, simple statistics to start recording on a weekly basis. Just the mere fact of putting some attention on this can bring about some pretty remarkable results. 
But once you start to build a running record of activity, both incoming activity and outgoing activity, you will have facts, actual facts and data that you can use to eliminate a great deal of the guesswork from your business decisions. I hope you have stuck with me to the end here. If you got something out of this episode, then please just take a moment to give it a like. Thank you very much for listening, and I look forward to speaking to you again soon.